And I sent out a blast to you telling you that this is about unlocking the mysteries of God in you. And uh, I started off, I always try to think of something that might catch somebody. And this one was, let's take a walk on the revelatory side. It is wild, but it's real. It's the revelatory side. So let's start that walk together on the revelatory side. You see, the basis of all of this is to allow us to break the chains of rational, of, and, and not becoming irrational, but becoming truthful. This helps us to go beyond human wisdom and the physical manifestations of what we see into the heavenly places. But not only that, for us to see the kingdom come here on earth in you. The kingdom coming here on earth, yes, it's Christ, but it's everything else with Christ. And that's why he said he's come to give us life, life, spiritual life, but abundantly, not just spiritual life. And that's good. And there will be many that will skate into heaven on spiritual life because they accepted Jesus. And there will be others who will come in as a fully bloomed tree, abundant. Now, just me, I can't really give you the total scripture and basis for this. I could probably build uh, an argument for it. But I firmly believe that you don't leave off where you started here or where you finished here. I believe that you continue going from where you finished here. And I believe that that's why God can use certain people more than other people to do certain things in the heavenly places because they're already equipped. They already know the language. They understand the experience. And they've put the time in. Now, there's a scripture that says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That's about being saved. That's not about abundance. And that's not about how we're going to be rewarded in heaven. And the rewards in heaven are more than just getting some stars on your crown so you can flash them off to other ones who don't have as many stars as you have. No, I can't imagine what they are, but I know they've got to be huge. And I've got to know that as the Lord is rewarding that he's showing trust and faith for the universe. It's a big universe out here. Who knows? But let's go. Let's dive in. Let's see what happens. We'll take our time. We don't want to go too far, too long today. And I do want to make sure that, the, that this becomes foundation for you. I want to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Before we, as we're doing that, I want to lay the premise that, yes, we talk all the time that we are made in the image of God. We talk all the time that that image is three persons just like he's three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. In this instance, right, it's the person, male or female, their soul, their spirit, their body, right? The three and the three. That's the image. But it doesn't mean that man was intended to be made as God. It means that man and woman were intended to be able to fellowship and receive and have authority on earth from God. And so now, when we get to new creation, that is restored for those who believe and those who are obedient and those who serve. We'll talk about serving in a moment. And so, laying that down at Romans 1, verse 16, for I am ashamed, not ashamed, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes 
for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, revelation means to take the cover off. So the cover's coming off of something. Righteousness is uncovered. Not in the sense of being able to say the word, or not in the sense to contrast it to being evil, but in the sense of understanding that righteousness is the very character of God. So he's revealing himself to us and how we become righteous. We don't become righteous by anything we do or we don't do. We come righteous only one way. He was made sin who knew no sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So there's an uncovering of righteousness. He sets that forth and it's revealed how? Not once. Not that you just got that revelation. Yes, you got the righteousness, but not the fullness of the revelation. That's what we're here all about. Building on that foundation to get the revelation. And then to keep climbing the steps. And in that sense, he says, it's from faith to faith. So it takes actions of faith in order to get the revelation, have the cover come off of revelation. It takes actions of faith. We just had an action in faith. And in that sense, the Lord opened up the faucet, if you will, the fountain of righteousness for sin and uncleanliness. Now, let me take you a step prophetic. It says in the books of the prophets that in that day, Zechariah says, the fountain of unrighteousness and righteousness will open up to the Jews. A fountain of righteousness. What does it do? It takes away the uncleanliness. So this is supernatural. You didn't do anything of your own, nor could you, of your own volition to take away your sin. You didn't do anything. You just finally got to a place where you dared, or for some of us, we, were no, we couldn't go any lower. We had to do, go something. And in that point, crying out, then the Lord showered us, cleansed us, and we walked into righteousness. But we're the carriers of righteousness. Do you consider yourself that way? You carry righteousness. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you confess your sins and confess your sins, walking in that humility and that revelation of the righteousness of God, you're a carrier of righteousness. Why is that important? Because we go back and we're going to be establishing these laws and I've, 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 I've beat this one into you a hundred times if not once. And that is that every kind in creation brings forth its own kind. You're the righteousness kind. You can't bring anybody else into righteousness unless you're walking in righteousness. Unrighteousness has no fellowship with righteousness. You can't do it. Physically and in the secular world, you can come and be part of a, of a club, you can be part of a movement, you could be part of anything. You know, Tupperware party, whatever you want to be. But that doesn't make you the same. The only thing that makes us the same is the righteousness of God. Then we become brothers and sisters. That's why we understand that not everybody in the world is your brother. Not everybody is your sister. Not everybody in the world is mitzvukah, family. They're not. For us to be family and children of God, we must be righteous with God. We must be, have the righteousness of God in that image of God. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we're harsh and we, we, we don't want any fellowship with anybody. No, it just depends on the degree of fellowship. But it means that that's not family. So the, the whole ecumenical thing is, is a lie. I hope you understand that. That's a lie. That's a social club. God's not blessing ecumenical that does not stand strong for him. It's okay to say you love somebody, but if you don't love them with the love of God, you don't know how to love them. And if your meeting place isn't Christ, then you're not coming together in relationship. Not one that you should have. And that's called what? Unequally yoked. I got a chuckle out of Mikkel last week. She thought the yoke was an egg. And I said, I failed as a father. I <laughs> and I used to make my kids bullseyes all the time. That was my thing. Get up and make them bullseyes. Fry them an egg with toast. No, unequally yoked. Why is that important? Because if you're unequally yoked in something, there's no agreement. No agreement. The only, only real security we have is being yoked with someone in Christ because we're yoked with him. Now let's go back to this. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. New whole thing. We'll let that one go. Next. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Whoa. Now, it's pretty easy for us to segregate that between saved and unsaved, right? The unrighteous. Oh, those are the unsaved people. How about if it's between saved and saved? How about if it's between those who are serving the Lord <clears throat> for their own glory or to line their own pockets or for their own purposes? Is that unrighteousness? Hmm. And it says that it's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Now, just a sidestep. The Lord is merciful and He loves us so much that He'll allow us to stumble and fall to try and bring us back to the light of faithfulness to God. And that's why we should expect prophetically in these last days and the hours of these last days that he said, men, and I'm going to expand that because that's, that's a species, male and female. Men and women are going to stumble and fall. Great ones, that it might bring them back and purge them. We're seeing some of it, we're going to see more of it. In the body of Christ, judgments must start, start in the house of God. And so the Lord's tolerance for foolishness and for self-promotion and ambition at the sake of God is, is becoming less and less and less and less. And the time is running out. And if God loves those who are practicing that, then you're going to see them fall so that they have the chance to come back rather than lose their soul. Some do, some don't. We've had some locally here who fell and they never repented publicly. Just started back up with another church. Now, I don't know what they did, privately, and I'm not going to judge that, but those of us who are called of God, we have tremendous responsibilities, and if we've led people down the right way, we need to lead them back the right way. And that starts with repentance, public repentance. That's what's required of leadership in the body of Christ, 
public repentance. Now, I'm not telling everybody to go blast their sins all over the world, but I have to tell you, to whom much is given, much is required. So I accept that. I accept that. And I've been quick to ask somebody to forgive me when I realized I bruised them. Because I accept that. That's of God. And, and, if, and if it hurts God, it should hurt my heart too, doesn't it? And if you're sensitive to God, it's so overwhelming, you, you've got to get it out. It's like, forgive me, it's like a burp. You keep a burp in it, it hurts. It doesn't feel good. I know none of you burp, I'm the only one. But, but boy, does it feel good when you, I can't do it on, some of you can just do it. Who here can just do a burp? Just Jimmy can. Jimmy, give me a burp. See? <laughs> Some, sometimes we have burp contests. He always wins. That was a short one. He can give you one that's about 50 seconds long if he wants to. <laughs> My wife's over there telling me to get back to... All right. But this is how I think, so I have to preach the way I think. Who suppress the truth and righteousness. Next verse. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Ah, revelation. God has shown it to them. To who? Go back to the last verse. Against ungodliness and righteous, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. Back to this one again. Let's get it. Because what may be known of God is manifest to them, for God has shown it to them. So doesn't that imply to us that once you know the truth and you don't practice the truth, there's some consequences? I think he says it's the wrath of God from heaven. Hmm? I was just counseling somebody, half joking and not joking, who's in a serious situation, and his comment to me was, yeah, I know all about Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God and call to his purpose. But what if I want to do it my way? I said, whoa. Okay, so you know better, but you want to do it your way? I said, do you want a truthful answer? Oh, I know what you're going to say. I said, what am I going to say? He said, you're going to say, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I'm going to take it a step further, and it might destroy you. Because now you're challenging God. Who's going to win? And, and when you do that with an ego, woo, woo. I'm, I'm going to be very transparent. There was a period after I was saved, I couldn't take it anymore. Cut off, living by myself, no water, no heat, no fellowship, no nothing. I didn't know anything about the love of Christ. I only knew about the whip of God. Excommunicated, lost my business, lost my family. I was just like, said, you know what, God, I'm not denying you, but I'm going to go out and sin. And I did for about six months. Then I came crawling back, weeping and crying, because I realized there was no answer in that, and nor was there an answer in the world that I ran to to try and to, to put some balm over my wounds and healing. And this is when I learned the love of God. He said, son put his arms back around me in the Holy Spirit. I could feel him from the top of my head to my toes, me weeping. And I could just feel his peace and his love. And he said, welcome home. Now let's get back to the kingdom. We started right where I left off. There was no going back to go, come out of jail, none of that. We started right where I left off. 
And I said, wow, that's the love of God. That's the love of God. Maybe I needed to do that to learn the love of God. I don't know. But I have found myself basking in that love ever since. But before that, I learned the fear of the Lord. Sometimes we get too much love and we lose fear. And the Lord gave me some circumstances to know the fear of the Lord and to never let it go. It was tattooed into my spirit. Fear and love of God. And we we escaped that. Next verse, just the last one. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Now do you understand why I am so emphatic about not saying the DNA of God? The image of man is not the DNA of God. Let us not be so egotistical. Let's not reduce God to our vocabulary when he gives us a better revelation. And the better revelation that honors God is that the world, his invisible attributes. So I gave it another name, the divine design attributes. The DDA, not DNA. Divine design attributes. And he uses those to design us. And he tells us that these are revealed, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, this could become very confusing. It is building upon those who have known the truth. But he's also extending it a little bit further now, Paul is, as he's getting this revelation of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And he's sharing in writing that there's no excuse not to understand the attributes of God because they are clearly seen. And when we see it, he says it's by the things that are made. He's talking about physical things. He's talking about nature. He's talking about the skies declare the glory of God. He's talking about the creation of so many elements of fish and animals and plant species and how unique every person is, both male and female, and how there's procreation that is an extension of a recreation made both male and female to procreate what he created. That's why the enemy is attacking gender. It's to go right to the root of the creator and say he didn't get it right. And so they say, you know what, I understand. You were born more feeling this way than feeling that way. No, that's a demonic spirit. They weren't born that way. They got possessed that way. And then you have agreement. Not agreement in God. Agreement in the world. Agreement in, in, in men and women's rationale. In a wisdom that makes God foolish. But the truth of it is that wisdom is foolish. Being understood. We're supposed to be able to understand by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that we're without excuse. Because if we look at creation, and don't try to excuse it any other way but the fact that, wow, this can never be recreated. It didn't happen with a big bang out in space. It didn't happen with a little amoeba, not a media, a little amoeba that grew into something else, and all of a sudden it became something on four, and then it became two, and then it became a person. Right? I mean, you've got to be stupid to believe that. You've got you to be really stretching for straws to grab that one. You've got to be at the point where you're wise in your own wisdom and the foolishness of God. He says, they're without excuse, because if you look at what I've done, 
and how I put all this in motion, and it keeps moving from a glory to a glory to a glory to a glory. The only thing we know about God is that change is inevitable. That's what we know. I like to think he's a little, I got a little bit of that attribute because I get bored with the same old thing. I don't know about you. You know, sometimes we put labels on kids and we say, oh, they have all kind of problems. They, DDA, this, that, they, they can't remember stuff. You know, they, 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 ah, I love those kind of kids. They're creative. They're not misfits. They just got an attribute of God where they're saying, you know what, I'm bored with it. I'm moving on to this. And a lot of times they're the most brightest people in the world. They got it figured out. They don't want to hear it anymore. Einstein was a terrible student. They told him he was stupid. They told him he's going to fail math. <laughs> How many of you heard what you were going to fail in school, huh? How many of you were told? You, you went to a Catholic school, the nuns were a little harsh, huh, Jimmy? They tell you you're stupid. No, 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 you know, son, you need to work on this. God's going to, and you're dumb. I, <laughs> I had a sister. Actually, it was mother. Mother, I won't tell your last name. Little, little short little thing with glasses. She still spoke with a German accent. Some said she helped work on a nuclear bomb. I don't know. But she had me stand up in class two weeks. Two weeks in class as a freshman nurse. And stood up. Mr. Demedia, stand up. I said, I am. I stood up. You're stupid. <laughs> You're never going to get math. I said, I got to take it. I'm not here because I want to be here, Mother. And she said, what do you think I got? That whole thing, F, F, and it wasn't for Frank, right? So what did it do to me? I didn't care anymore. I didn't care. I didn't care about algebra. I didn't care about geometry. Sure didn't even want to hear about calculus. I said, you know what? English and philosophy, history, that's all good for me. A's, F, A's, F, A's, F. I didn't care. We can brand things in our own mind just like people can brand them in our own minds. And if you believe that you can't go to the next step, you won't go to the next step. But if you believe you will, even if you need God to pick you up by your, your hit straps and push you to the next step, He'll do that. He'll take you the step that you begin to take. In everything we do, that's why it's so important to serve. And a lot of us, you know, we get frustrated because we want to do more in other places. Well, I have to tell you what began to work for me, two things. I went out on my own. Nobody taught me. Went out on my own and went to nursing homes. I tell you what, in, people, in hospitals, people are sick, they're happy to see anybody. Especially if they're sitting there like this. And you come in and you sit down and you begin to pray with them and you anoint them and you go and you go and you go. There's a bonding relationship and you learn to serve. And then the next one was the church. When I found out I could fellowship in a church, I meant what I said last week about us starting Wednesday night. I was looking every day of the week for a church to go to because I wanted to fellowship. Because I was lonely and I was turning from the world. And once I found out I had the church experience, guess what? It, 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 it lit me up. And I started out by just cleaning bathrooms because I knew how to do that. That's how I got out of, out of uh, uh, detention at Ursuline was cleaning. They made me a janitor instead of detention. I worked it off. <laughs> servitude. And then after that, it went up and up and up and up. And then I served as a deacon and I served on the board of elders. And then I served as the interim pastor because all the pastors were gone. And, and then God just kept using me.
because I was available. And I'd like to say, and I'm not patting myself on the back, because I wasn't trying to get promoted. Hmm? I wasn't trying to get promoted. I was just there to serve, and it just happened and happened and happened. And it's still happening. I love Sunday coming to church. I love coming to see you. I miss you when I don't. Yeah, I do. Something's wrong inside of me when I'm not in our church. And this isn't a clarion call, but it's an opportunity and an offer. Get locked in to your church. Serve. Serve together. Be consistent. Be reliable. Let God take his place. You may not get and want to be everything that you want to be right at that moment, but persistence and consistency will take you to where God's calling has taken you. I can tell you that with truth after 40-some years in the Lord. 40-some years. Yeah. So, we have no excuse. You know, one time I wrote a song. Jeff, you and I have to bring it out. You'll like it. It's sort of jazzy blue. It's Let the Butterfly Fly. And I was watching a butterfly fly. And I was in Jerusalem, and there were gardens right outside the window of our hotel. And I watched that butterfly come flying over and flying back over and land in the petals of the, I, I don't know, they look like hibiscus plants, something with big flowers in it, and this and that. And then I began to worship God in wonderment of the butterfly. I said, Lord, what motivated you to make a creature like that? Because certainly it didn't come out of a bang or an amoeba or a monkey. How did you do that? I didn't get an answer. But I came to this conclusion because he can and because it delighted him. Do you think, Sherry, there's going to be butterflies in heaven? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I hope there's no snakes. I'm not into snakes. I don't think he is either, but I don't know. You know, he made them. I don't understand it. I don't even know why Noah put snakes on the ark. He should have let them all die. But butterflies. And you look at that and you see the wonderment of God. And you look at the colors of birds. And for those of you who are, who are fisher people, fishermen, fisherwomen, all the different species of fish in different places that they're at and the colors that they have in the water and out of the water and the features that they have. And how about dogs? Huh? God spelled backwards, right? I know. Dogs. I mean, there's a few dogs that are a little tough to love. I'm just telling you, I won't name who they are because other people love them. There's a few cats that are really ugly too. But, but it's hard not to love a dog that loves you. Dog loves you, wiggles its little tail, you get a little something to eat, and <laughs> waits for you to come home. I mean, when we lived in Florida, the first person at the door, the minute he heard my truck pull in, my, my dog, his name was Boy, B-U-O-Y, an attack dog, trained Wonderful dog. He'd be at the door. Woo, 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 woo. Jump up, put his paws here, and start licking me. Dog breath and all. And I'd hug him, and then he'd get down and follow me the whole night long. <laughs> Who creates such a thing? The wonderment of God. The wonderment of God. How do you think that stupid Einstein, who wasn't supposed to be able to excel at math, came up with the law, uh, law of re uh, relativity? Uh, it came from God above. Because to this day, nobody could have figured out how he got it. And it changed everything. Changed it. We wouldn't be having AI right now without stupid Einstein back there getting a download of creativity from God.
Do you think maybe he just cried out when they told him he was stupid? Hey, how about me? Huh? How about me? And now, for those who are sports fans, how about Purdy? Huh? Purdy, the last one drafted. What's he called, Dave? The last one in the draft. Huh? Mr. Irrelevant. Otherwise, they got him for peanuts. He's starting. Only getting 800,000. Other ones are getting 300 million. The one getting 300 million can't play all the time for the Browns. Right? But you're getting paid. Boy, did they make a mistake. <laughs> but God takes those out of places, and, 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 that, and that should be encouraging to you and me. He takes, takes you out of obscurity and puts you in a place where you get a chance. But you've got to take the chance. And that's why serving in a ministry in a local church, that's one of the reasons for that. No person's an island. And, and you don't have relationship long distance. You know, like, people like you to become members of their ministry. And they like to get tithed, and they like you to receive their emails, and they like you to respond. But that's not relationship. It's instruction, it's stuff, it's all good. But that's not relationship. You can't have a relationship with somebody who doesn't even know what you look like. Except for God himself, right? So it's the attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, who makes them? He does. Even his eternal power. Now, when I saw that butterfly, I got a revelation into the internal power of God. And I didn't see creation the same anymore. I didn't think about it the same anymore. I thought about the wondrous of his beauty. And I began to, to focus on that in worship of God because it gave me a glimpse into his external power and God had even so it does you. So many of you are so talented. I get so excited when somebody shares with me their talent I didn't know they had of all kind of things, whether it's in the arts or the music or, or food or the food or blessed food, it, it, all kind of things that you do with animals, horses. I, I can't even, I could go on and on. In those talents, you can worship God. You can see the wondrous glory of God in what you're doing and what your passion is to do. And that's why we're encouraged in the Spirit to pursue our passions because God gave them to us as long as they're godly. You're not mistaken, right? I mean, how does somebody explain a child that's born to two professors that teach math? And that person is all one of the best artists in the world. There is one. How do you explain that? That's God. He didn't get it from his house. He got it from God. Or how about the virtuoso that sits down and starts playing concerts at four or five years old? Where'd that come from? People like myself or my wife and Sonny and Leanne and Jeff, we had to study. I mean, we got the gift, but we had to study. We had to play. We had to stumble and bumble and intern under people. But some people, they just sit down and it's like, whoa, where did, where did that come from? Pursue your passions, but do it godly. And your passions can be, yes, A plus serving the Lord in a, in a focus of ministry, but also serving what God has given you to do. Pursue them, because God is in it. Those are his attributes. They're invisible to the eye inside of you, but they're real from God. And we're going to unlock that. Whether we get to it all today, I don't think so. 
but we're going to continue to unlock that, and you're going to get more and more excited about your relationship with God and with other godly people. With other godly people. Next verse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Stop. What did we do once we were on the other side of the wall of faith today? What did we do? We gave God thanks. And after we gave Him thanks, we gave Him glory. Oh, that pleases the Father. That shows that we're wise in the Word of God and the ways of God, and that we worship Him in the way He wants us to. So many forget very quickly about the blessings of God. That's why one of the first things we should start with when we awake in the morning is thank you, Lord, for another day. Because He alone has the times. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Don't be ashamed. And, 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 and don't be embarrassed to admit praying for yourself. I pray for a lot, but I take some time to pray for me and to pray for the organs in me. Yeah, I pray for my heart, I pray for my lungs. I don't know them all, sometimes I just do this, Lord, you know, this is wherever that's at, Lord, you know, this is the pituitary gland, whatever comes, I pray for them. And I ask the Lord to, to keep covenant with me. Keep covenant with me, Lord strong and then gone. Keep this stuff good, Lord. Keep it good, Lord. Help me to keep it good, Lord. Help me to keep it good. It's okay to do that. In fact, God likes that because I'm glorifying God in it. I know He has the authority over all of this. I'm not disputing doctors. They do a wonderful work and they take their place and thank God. Where do you think that came from? It came from God. Where do you think invention comes from? It comes from God. Where do you think progress comes from? It comes from God. And when you align God with it, you become a great country like the United States of America, a miracle born out of nothing like it ever before, but all of a sudden the glory's not going to God like it should. And we're getting misfit leaders in the country shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Glory to God. Our prayer for this country is that there be awakening back to God. Amen. And we need to pray those out who know better but choose to do worse. Hmm? Who know better. You can name them. They'll say, God bless our troops. God bless America. God bless this. God bless, but I curse you is what they're saying and doing by their actions. You've got to pray them out. He says, pray for him. He didn't say to pray for him to do everything right. He said, pray for those in authority. Well, he, I, I, I was hung on that for a while because I'm having a hard time praying for a few in authority. I'm not praying for them to die, no, but I started to say, wait, pray for them in authority, Lord. Okay. I pray, Lord, that you remove them from authority. <laughs> Save their soul. Get them out. It's the blind leading the blind. Because a lot of people that don't have the same understanding, the same wisdom, they follow. And they think they're serving righteousness. 
nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Does that explain a lot? But remember, this isn't only for unbelievers. This is for believers. And now when we really begin to bring judgment first in the house of God, we see a whole lot we shouldn't be doing and following. Just because it's somebody that's put in that position. Next verse. Professing to be wise, they become fools. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. We got a whole bunch of that. We got experts on everything. CNN pays their experts. Fox News pays their experts. Everybody has experts. And you get done listening to them and you say, oh my Lord, what a fool. Professing to be wise, professors, to be wise. They become fools. Next. And changed the glory. Come on, touching the glory. That's when you get God angry. Because his glory is the most vulnerable part of him. It's the essence of who he is. It's like allowing us to put our finger inside of his spirit and on the heartthrob of his aorta. That's his glory. It's that which he gives us that gives us divinity. What Jesus prayed in John 17, he doesn't say, Father, give them degrees, give them callings, give them gifts, give them diversity, give them, give them standing, give them, uh, uh, have people respect them. He said, Father, give them the glory that I had with you always so that they might be one even as we are one. It's the glory. And so what happens when someone touches the glory of God, especially when they know better, they're literally, literally rejecting God. And more so than that, offending Him. We saw that with Uzzah in the cart, right? Touched the cart, the glory of God, boom, dead. Out of ignorance, didn't matter. Changed the glory, there's a difference. Not ignorance, changing the glory of God into the incorruptible God, into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creepy things. That's why we had a, 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 a teaching, a sharing on yoga last week. Christians changing the things of God into the corruptible things of man and four-footed beasts and idols and making chants. They don't even understand what they're doing. Creeping. Creeping demonic things. Next. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Why? He took away the protection of the image of God from that human person. So now they dishonor themselves before God. Today, I'm a female. Tomorrow, I'm a male. The next day, I'm a cat. The next day, giving them up. Giving them up. There's a way back. It's not an easy one. But they're not under the covering of God. And certainly, when that's put on the pulpit to lead other people astray, you see what happens. There's divisions of denominations. The truth is the truth is the truth can't give it up can't be made corruptible next who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature 
rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Worship isn't just that which you see so visibly. Worship is what is the most important thing to you in your life. It could be practices that we refuse to alter or change for anything or anybody. It could be anything that we hold more important than our relationship with God. We can worship a lot of stuff. And how do we balance that? Make sure that what we do, we cover in prayer to God everything. Every decision you make, put it up to the Lord. Every step you take, put it up to the Lord. Everything. And once it becomes your standard of life, you can't do without it. And the moment you stumble and try to do it without and you just forgot, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will give you a slap across the face and let you understand you're on your own. You say, oh, no, 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 Lord. And then listen, listen, listen. That's the blessing, that's the revelation we have as children of God. We can talk with Him. How about the song, we can walk with Him. And we tell Him, I am your own. Right? And can you see it? Can you see yourself walking in the cool of the garden with God and talking with Him and walking with Him? You see it? See it. Take those moments and those times. Talk with Him. Walk with Him. Tell Him you're all His own. And in that moment, revelation, enlightenment comes into your mind. Now we'll get into how that happens in a little bit. Another service. Just a real quick. You have a soul. Your soul before you're born again is sort of wayward. You're on your own. That's why they call it born again. Born again isn't religious. Born again is, is an absolutely significant spiritual opportunity and necessity. And once you're born again, that soul is aligned with the eternal God. And what happens then is that that soul is able to allow the Spirit of God to inhabit the spirit of you. They become one. Now it doesn't mean that you can go professing like the Holy Spirit. It means there's a fellowship. And the Spirit of God, which we'll read in 1 Corinthians 2 and Romans 8 at another time, that Spirit of God reveals to us, uncovers the will of God in our things and the things of God to our spirit. And they have an inner exchange that's godly. A different language. It resounds from the Spirit of you to the Spirit of God and from the Spirit of God to you. And then the Spirit influences your soul, which connects your mind. And that's how you get the mind of Christ in you. It's just that your mind isn't taken out and the brain set over here and you got a new one and it's Christ. No. It's a progress. It's a process. And so when we submit to that, we are then not just tapped in, 
but flowing, flowing, flowing in the attributes from heaven above. It's like a hose that goes from heaven above into your spirit and from your spirit into the Lord. And here's the good news. It's not one-way traffic. Consistent. And you see, that's when we become sensitive to God in our lives because when we step out a little bit, it's like putting a kink in the garden hose. Pretty soon the water's not coming out so good. You go straight in the hose and there it is. There it is. Lord says, we should know everything about the power of God manifesting the things on earth. I don't know about you, but the more and more that, that I learn his love, it's not the more and more he loves me. He loves me more than I can and loves you. It's the more and more I learn of his love. I get so intrigued with every little thing. I know sometimes my wife chuckles. We were at a play and I looked at her a second and she was watching the characters over here and she looked at me and I'm looking at the ceiling and I'm looking at the lights and I'm looking at how it's put together and technology, how it's working. And the whole time I'm saying, wow, Lord, I'd like to have some of that in our church. I mean, it's good. This is nice. This was clean, but we worship you, Lord. Can we have some of that in our church? I wasn't ashamed to ask him. I'm expecting it to come. Not because we need it, but he said he'll give us the desires of our heart when we worship him. That's why it was so important we worshiped him. And in that moment, he delights in the praises of his people. And when he delights, he gives. And he gives abundantly. And spirit is talking to spirit and saying, that's exactly what my son Gary needs. Not maybe what he actually thinks he wants or needs. That's exactly what he needs. Do it. Sometimes it manifests in ways we don't know. Okay, just a few more minutes because I think there's, think there's food out there. Yeah, I can see, I can see the food. Don't you all turn around. You stare. You look at me. <laughs> they do that on purpose so they get me out of the pulpit, right? Ralph, keep your fingers off that food. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter four, verses one and two. We got through a half a page of my writings, which are 36 pages. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Paul declares a mandate to believers. Let a man, and again, species man, right? Let's get it straight. Both male and female equal. Let a man, men, shrink a little bit. Women, shrug your shoulders, get a little taller. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Most of you know what a steward is, right? It's, it's being given the authority to be a keeper, to be one who administers and takes in and distributes out. One of our prayers in this church all the time is that we be good stewards of God, of what you sow into this house, that we are good stewards of God. We don't just say that because we got used to saying it. We say it because we don't want to stumble. We don't want to make a mistake. 
We don't want to be foolish with the treasures of God that you sow into and invest into in the kingdom of God because when we're given that authority to reinvest what you give, all of that flows to you. So when we send something to Israel, that all flows to you. When we send it to Kenya, that flows to you. To Burundi, to Nicaragua, to Mexico, to somebody who has need here, that all flows back to the body who invested. We have to be important. But in this instance, he says, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. That means, he says, okay, I'm going to give them to you. I love you. I'm going to open up the door and the windows and I'm going to unleash mysteries upon you, but now you be a good steward of it. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the mystery that I give you? What are you going to do with the gift that I give you? Are you going to forget me in it? Are you going to go stray? Are you going to begin to promote yourself more than the glory of God? Is your ego going to be bigger than me? Or are you just going to do nothing? You're going to get so full of all the mysteries I give you that you just Fill yourself and become gordito, which is Spanish for fat. What are you going to do with it? But as you give, so shall you receive. And I, I firmly believe this with all my life. That's a measure. That's a measure of receiving revelation is what you give with it, not just what you get with it. And you see, I believe that all of God's people, whomever has received the unction of the Holy Spirit inside of you. I believe you are capable, capable of receiving the full revelations of God. I know there's churches and places that say you shouldn't get too deep because the people don't. I don't believe that. I'm sorry. He's not my mind of Christ. I don't have a better mind of Christ than you do. It's His. We all have the same, but if God's given me or you revelation, please bring your revelation to me. And let me bring mine to you. And that's why we're members of the body of Christ. And there's not class systems in the body of Christ. But church systems make class systems, right? Not God. The least. Have more. And the Lord will take away from those who have a lot and aren't giving it out. And give it to the one who has the least. I don't want to take from anybody else, and neither do you. But I want all that he has. And so we become stewards of the mysteries of God. And a steward attends to the things of God, and specifically the master that they serve. Remember all the old butler movies, right? Dusting off your this, shining your shoes, putting your coat on, getting everything ready, taking you out to your horse and carriage. The butler did it. It's always about the butler, right? The steward. A good steward. That's who we are in the kingdom of God. We're butlers and butleresses. We're dressing, dressing the finest things for the glory of our God at all times. We're giving Him the best. That's why you hear from this house, from the day I walked in this place, it's excellence for God. Nothing less. If it's not excellence for God, Dwayne and those who are here, they'll tell you that will get me angry. I have to repent, but I can't let go. Excellence for God. Excellence for God. I had somebody tell me once, they said, oh, pastor, I'm so nervous, I've got to give a message. And I don't know, this was when I was in Miami, big church. 
They said, don't you, don't you get angst over preparing a message? And I said, no, nah, I get challenged, I get motivated. I, I wrestle with God, but I'm not angst because I know he's always going to do something. And then, then he asked me, he says, well, how many sermons have you given? I said, I don't know. He said, well, don't you just take one of those out and use it? I said, I can't. He said, why? I said, I get bored. I said, what do you mean? I said, it's fresh revelation every time. Yes, you build upon those things. And it was that person asking me that when profoundly out of my mouth came, we build upon, upon the firm foundation of God with fresh revelation. And it's moving from a glory to a glory to a glory to a glory. One thing I can promise you, God is ever changing us. He doesn't want us stagnant. He's ever changing us. We're the ones who make the decision not to move. We're the ones who make the decision. I know, but I don't care. That's, I just heard that last week. Wow. Stewards of the mysteries of God. So you're a steward. Next verse. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. You know how I make a decision, and forgive me if it sounds wrong about who I'm going to invest my time and energy into, it's the faithful people. I have to see you. I don't see you out of sight, out of mind when it comes to investing myself into you. Now, that's not the same for our churches and people in our diaspora out there because geography keeps them away. But when I see commitment and I see hunger and passion, I want to give everything I have to that person. But when I don't see it, I've had to come to the conclusion in my life, I only have so much time, so much energy, so much to give. I want to give it to the ones who are going to invest it. I can't tell you how many people I've had come clap me on the back. They've been here about three months. They receive, Pastor, I love you. I'm going to be here forever. And the next week they're gone. Not even asking for a blessing. And usually I could tell when it's happening. They start here. They get in the middle. They get in the last seat. Then they're out there. And then they're out the door. Hey, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see the excitement, but I don't see the commitment. Perseverance. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. That's why people of God, leadership, and those of us who love God, we can't retire in the Lord. You've got to be found faithful. What's there, what faithfulness is there? And I, Lord, I'm done sharing. I'm done. I'm just going to go to the casino. They have good hamburgers there. I had somebody tell me that one. I said... <laughs> <laughs> that was a Christian. Yeah. Seen there at about midnight at night. Yeah, they got good hamburgers there. I said, boy, that's quite an appetite at midnight. <laughs> Faithfulness as stewards. Okay, let's, let's close with this. Matthew 13. 10 and 11. We dealt with this a couple weeks ago, but this is foundational. Because if we have any chance at all of me getting through some of this with you, i got to draw a line there. And the disciples came out and said to him, Remember? Why do you speak to them in parables? We talked about this, but let it focus on us. Why does God deal with us with parables in our life? 
Hmm? Why does God interrupt our own schedule or our own plans? That's similar to a parable. Have you ever had your car not start or got a flat tire somewhere and you're really upset, but then you found out it was a divine appointment? Or you're, you're in the grocery line and, you know, somebody's in front of you and they got more groceries and they're going and they're going and they're going and they're going and you're waiting and you got three items and you're waiting and you're waiting. That's why I don't go shopping with my wife. You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and then finally get to the end and they ring it up and the color of their face changes. They pale and you see their heart sinks because they don't have enough money to buy everything that they put on there. And, you know, you, you start walking away a little bit. And the Lord says, help them. You say, Lord, I only wanted three things. You know, this fool, they show you. What do they, what do they expect? And then with a delight in your face, you help the single mom pay for her baby food, her diapers, her cereals, a few treats for the kids. You pull them aside quietly, you say. Quietly, you tell the lady at the register or the man. Put it on this. Are you sure, sir? You ever get that? Are you sure? Well, what am I telling you for? Just do it quietly. And the only thing you say when you're done, not who you are, not the church you go to, not what you believe, you say, God bless you. He loves you. Thanks for making my day. Then you go out and with your three things, you say, Lord, okay. Do we have to do this every week or is this just once a week? I'm just giving you one example. I know all of you have been that way. I know you've been put in a place where you had no idea why you were there, but God made it an opportunity for you. It's a parable of life. Next verse. He answered Jesus and said, because it has been given to you. Take a moment, become French with me. Say moi. Given to moi. Do this, do this. Come on, come on. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that too. <laughs> moi. Because it has been given to moi, you, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. You've been given the apparatus, the stuff, the spirit, the transforming of the mind, a soul that is eternally saved and has the opportunity to fellowship with the eternal while the eternal fellowships with you. Mysteries untold, mysteries unfathomed, mysteries you've never yet begun to understand, they're all there. It's been given to you, but to them it hasn't. Those who are not walking in the Spirit of God or not pursuing, they're not getting it. Next verse. For whoever has, ooh, are you going to make a statement with, with me again? Say with moi, I got. Come on, come on, come on. I got, come on, I got. I got. Yeah, I got. To him who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. 
How much more? Abundance. What does abundance mean? You never fill the cup. It just keeps coming. That's the divine design attributes, uh, attribute of the fullness of God. God is full. He has no needs. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at all times and all places with all ability to do everything to all capacities and beyond. He says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you more. You're going to have abundance. You're never going to have enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away because they're not a steward of what God gives. Wow. Wow. So it's real simple. Serve. Serve. Give. Give. Serve. Change your schedule. Change something. Do more. Do better. Keep. Don't stop. If you want to have abundance. Lord, I want to be strong and then gone. I guarantee you, I quit serving, I'm out of here. Probably not in the way I want to go either. Probably like, like I'm, you know, from the dead. My arm falls off, then my leg falls off, then my nose falls off, and the ear lops aside, and there's a bunch of body pieces out there, and I'm retired. Hey! To whom much is given, much is expected, but God gives everything we need. I don't know about you, and I'm not being egotistical every day. I thank Him for more abundance. And I'm not talking about money. Money comes and goes. It's fungible. I want the unfungible. I want the everlasting stuff. And the rest comes with it. Because God loves to bless. And if you believe in Jesus, then you are a child of Abraham. And if you're a child of Abraham, you're under the covenant of blessings completely under it. Amen? I'm going to stop right here because if I don't, the pizza's going to get real cold and Ralph's going to eat all the sub sandwiches and cookies. <sighs> this is good stuff. We haven't even touched on it yet. We haven't even touched on it yet. I'm going to hit you with one just so you... I'm not going to teach you on it. I'm just going to tell you what it's called. All right? I'm going to hit you with this one. The spiritual law of kingdom cognitive capacity. Say, spiritual law of kingdom cognitive capacity. Wait till you get that one. Wait till you get that one. You're going to get an A plus in the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, thank you for entrusting us as stewards of God. Oh, my Lord, who are we that you would entitle us to your mysteries, those kingdom mysteries, some that even the angels don't know, Lord. Some, Lord, that you've held even back forever to release at a time and in a place in our lives. To be and do what you've called us to do even as we come to prepare the way for your coming. Who are we, Lord, that you give us the opportunity, the spirit, the love, the soul, the mind, to expand with revelation in your kingdom. All we can answer and say, Lord, is we're your children. We love you, Father. Trust us, but give us the strength to be trustable. 
Help us to become good stewards, better stewards. Always, always pursuing stewards. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you give us more of your love so that we can love with your love. Thank you for that, Lord. Be blessed. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.